0: are locked on jazz your daily podcast on the utah jazz part of the locked on podcast network your team every day it is locked on jazz for the 19th of october the jazz are home the world champs are in town they're ridiculously good We'll talk about that. Look back at some g- things from Game One of the Jazz and run around the league briefly before we're all done. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Hope you're doing great. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky little numbers. Oh, and maybe even a little bit more. Glad to have you aboard. You can get on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Tell your smart speakers to play. Podcast, Locked on Jazz. All right, um, Jazz Warriors tonight, 830. Only local broadcast is Ron and I. We are excited to bring it to you. Uh, the Warriors are really, really, really good. Uh, And I'll dig into that in a second. Today's show is brought to you by The Store and Murdoch Hyundai. And uh, if you didn't get that little announcement at the beginning, Sam Amick and Ben Golliver, two of the best NBA guys, are now part of our NBA lineup on Locked on NBA. So make sure you subscribe and follow your bite-sized daily national podcast. So you listen to this one, then go listen to that one, and you're in good shape. All right, Uh, let's go back to our opener. Uh, the bench play was the story, which might be the story of our season in some ways. And what jumped out to me the most about it was some of the characteristics and game. You know, you wonder how players changed, what they might do differently. So two of them that jumped out from game one is that Dante Exum took more free throws in game one against Sacramento. Uh, than he had in all but one game of his NBA career. Now, Dante's career is still pretty limited to, you know, 162 games or something like that. Um, but the seven free throw attempts that Dante took were the most um, that he had taken in all but one game. One other game of his NBA career, he took nine. And... Um, the other one that jumped out to me with Dante is the four rebounds and four assists. Well, start fiddling with that, and you know what you find out. He hasn't done that very often. In fact, um, if you go back to the 17 and 18 season uh, and start looking at that, he did not have a. He only had. He only played 15 games, right? But he he had five assists in four games. And he had won a game in which he against the Clippers on April fifth where he had four rebounds, five assists, and ten points in a game. And again, that's not it so you go back to the sixteen seventeen season, which is pre the year he comes off the ACL and he's and he only had four games in that whole entire season where he had four or more assists so that was only the ninth time since his rookie year in which he had more four or more assists in a game and only the second time that he's ever had four rebounds and four assists which is probably as much a statement to how incredibly young Dante Exum still is as a basketball player I mean uh, I, I love the Dante Exum, Grayson Allen note that I have in my prep sheet, which is that Dante Exum has played, I think this is right, I'm doing this off the top of my head, 162 games of his career in his career. 163 games. And Grayson Allen played 142 at Duke. They're about the same age, too. So you're not, you know, those are, that one should jump out a little bit that just gives you an idea of how young uh Dante still is at this point in the process uh but that's pretty neat so just kind of trying to see how he plays what he's able to do seven free throws in his last game he's had nine once before in his NBA career four points four rebounds on the same game he's only done that once before in his entire NBA career talking to Dante Right before the opener, he was like, don't jinx anything. We, like, finished the last practice. There was, like, nothing that could happen other than a car ride home. And he's like, don't. But, you know, he's starting a season healthy for the first time since 2014-15. Um, and so, you know, 2014-15 is his rookie year. And then he tears the ACL and misses 15-16. And I don't think he really felt he was healthy to start 16-17. Then he has the shoulder in 17-18. So he's starting the year healthy. He seems confident. And uh, I would share that his last three or four practices before the season started were just fabulous. Uh, So, you know, that jumped out to me a little bit. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what he does tonight. Um, He's got some flaws that still are out there. And so how does he deal with those when he's suddenly going up against probably a little bit better team? But on the other end, his length defensively probably very important. And he's going to be important this year for the Jazz because the De'Aaron Fox quickness-type guards give Rubio some trouble. That's the Kemba Walker in Charlotte, Jeff Teague maybe in Minnesota, um, just kind of looking through our schedule coming up here. Dennis Smith, Dallas probably fits that. Terry Rozier off the bench, Boston probably fits that a little bit. Um, not Darren Collison, Darren Fox we play again. Lakers just doing everything fast. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, so I think that that would be you know one to watch. The other one was so Alec Burks. Alec Burks has a weird tendency in his career where he shoots the three early in the year, and then as the year goes on, he shoots less and less threes. Um, he hit three threes the other night uh, in three attempts. The coaching staff would probably like him to be, you know, if he's going to take eight or nine shots, probably be at five or six threes. They'll, they'll, he'll get him there. Um That is the most threes he's made in a game other than one game last year, which happened in November. Like, it's really strange. So if you look at his, uh, I'll explain it to you in a second. So November 30th of last year against the Clippers, he goes four of six from three, has 28 points, has a mammoth game in a jazz blowout win. Um, If you look at Alec last year in games in which he took four or more threes november 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 december april Dece- december october december december november december 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 like okay some of it had to do with playing time but that's a little funky so he hopefully that changes here he took he made four threes last night that's and again you know here's a guy who's been oft injured but he had not made he's or he made three threes in the 16-17 season in which he doesn't play a huge amount, I think 40, 42 games or so. He doesn't, he makes three in one game all season. In last season, where we just were talking about his shot attempts, he makes three threes in four games all season November, November, December, and then one against, he likes playing the Clippers. Um, or we liked blowing out the Clippers last year. We... Alec uh, puts up big numbers in blowouts. So it's nice to see Alec put up big numbers in non-blowouts. That's just, he gets a little extra time. He got you know. He has been averaging 15, 16 minutes a game. His, t- his time is down. So those two things off the bench, certainly that was because the starters didn't play well, but those two things off the bench for the Jazz, and those are the two players who have looked the most different in training camp. Alec has talked about this a lot. Very mature. Um, You know, some of it's being a dad. Boy, his baby girl is just darling. Um, But when you look at the, when you look at where he is as a player and how he's developing, he's talking about things slowing down, him seeing the game better, him understanding how to stay on his feet, keeping his eye on the rim, finishing. But you saw it on a pick and roll. He he used to reject the pick at like 80% of the time. He used to have complete tendencies. If he drove one way, he was going to the rim. If he drove the other, he was stopping. The other night, comes off the pick. They go under. He just calmly stepped himself into his rhythm jumper that he and Jeff Watkinson have worked so hard on, and he nails it. It was, It's a huge play. So those are two signs early that things are a little different for some of these guys, and we'll see. I mean, this is a huge test tonight, and we'll dig into that a little bit uh, because this is a huge test tonight. It's Friday so do you know what that means? June Pie has brought the pies down to the store at sixty two hundred South and twentieth East. That means pork tomatillo. That means all the others. I don't guarantee you the pork tomatillo is there, but that's what I think of when I think of her pies. So her pies are legendary in the pie pies. But then there's the pie meals, and the pie meals are amazing. June Pie out of Heber she brings them down, and uh, she had a she's out of Heber, yeah. Uh, and she brings him down to the store at 60 South and 20th East. It's, it's very reminiscent of everything that the store is about. It's the local people, whether it's the cotton candy person or the cheese company or whatever the whatever it might be, the chip story I think I've told about that I think it was Scott uh, was at, or no, Jeff was at a wedding. The tortilla chips were amazing. He asked who made them, found the woman, told her, if you mass produce these, we'll put them in the store. It's the kind of community feel you get there. 6200 South, 20th East, the store. Mudslide cookies are the best. We're trying to make them the number one sold cookie. They're just to die for. So go ahead and go grab them uh, over on the right-hand side when you get there. In the back, they have all the new sandwiches and the rolls. They have a chef making special to go grab meals every day uh, and get those. All at the store at 6200 South, 20th East, Uh the Traeger setup is next door if you're still looking for some end-of-the-year barbecue things. That's at Cottonwood ace. The Warriors are great. Uh, last year, the Warriors were the second-best offensive team and the ninth-best defensive team. Then they got to the playoffs, and they got better at both. Uh, then they got put on the ropes by the Rockets, who might have exposed them a little bit. If you go back to that Rockets series, this is going to be an interesting thing to watch all year long, is that the... Uh, the Warriors isolation suddenly had to play a different game than they've ever played before. So, because the Rockets switched everything, the Warriors ended up playing 27 isolation possessions a night against the Rockets. They only played 16 a night in the regular season. And that Changed what they did a little bit. Uh, They're looking for three straight. They're looking for four and five years. They're historically probably the greatest team in the NBA. They're very different than the rest of the league when you watch the game. They're the number one team in the league playing off-ball screens. They're the best at it. Um, They play a very limited amount of pick and roll. So they play very differently than the rest of the teams in the league. They drive the least of any team in the league. So they were twenty ninth in picks and thirtieth in drives last year, were number one in drives and number one in picks. They' off ball screening action, and we'll see whether freedom of movement helps them. They actually post up a little bit. They were the best half-court team in the league. They weren't great late shot clock, if you can get them there. Um, but they're pretty special. When they do run pick-and-rolls, Durant or Curry, and then they're really, really special. Their guys are just, it's absurd. Cleaning the glass does everything by percentile. Okay? So Steph Curry's 100 percentile, another best at points-per-shot attempt. It's incredible. Durant, 98% points-per-shot attempt. Percentile, Draymond Green happens to be the worst catch and shoot three point shooter in the NBA that has taken any volume. Problem is, you just can't get him to shoot. Here's Clay Thompson, 88th percentile. It's Just they're too good. Here is the best way, and I was actually with uh, the great Doris Burke yesterday, um, and trying to explain points gained a little bit and why the Warriors can never lose. And so I came home after seeing Doris, and decided to prove it to myself. This is incredible. And let's see if it makes sense. I'll be curious to hear from you of whether this makes sense or not. Okay, so points gained. If you're new to points gained, the concept behind points gained is that I take the amount of possessions that a player uses, scoring opportunities, in a game, I don't care about turnovers, scoring opportunities, and figure out what the, on average, what the average player would do And then how many points do you score more than the average player? So, for example, just finding a random average player, uh, Buddy Heald of Sacramento uses 12 scoring opportunities a night at exactly league average, okay? As did Patrick Patterson, as did Ike on it. no G. Uh, oh, that's the Indiana guy, not. Uh, I, thought, sorry, I thought it was Tron. As did Brooke Lopez. As did Fred Van Vliet. So they're, they're exactly, as did Bogdan Bogdanovich in Sacramento. So did Draymond Green. By the time it was over, because Draymond got to free throw line enough, he was exactly average. Th- that's the killer, by the way, is that Draymond's like the worst catch and shoot three point shooter in the league, and he's still average. Okay. Steph Curry, with his 19.5 scoring attempt a night, is 4.7 points gained. Kevin Durant is the second best in the league at 20.6 scoring opportunities. He's a 3.5 points gained. As I was talking and explaining this to Doris, the, the key note here is that there's only 10 players in the league that are better than two. Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Carl Anthony Towns, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, six, Rudy Gobert, seven, and Clint Capella, eight. There's only eight that are better than two. Two of them are on the same team. So let's for a moment assume that every other player in the NBA, or excuse me, every other player on the Warriors is average, which isn't true. Because they have Clay Thompson, who's a 1.4. So let me just add Klay Thompson to 1.4 points gained. Those three, by themselves, are 9.6 points gained. Okay? Now let me try to build a roster, picking and choosing any player I want to get to 9.6. I'm taking Harden at 3.1. Carl Anthony Towns is my center at 3.0. I'm taking LeBron James at 2.8. Those three guys get me to 8.9. All right. If I add Kyrie, I now get can beat the Warriors offensively. This doesn't count defensively. So I have Kyrie, Harden, Towns and LeBron. I've now cherry picked them to build my team, and I got above the nine point six of Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. That's how ridiculous this is. It's it's unstoppable, and I am utterly convinced that they have all sorts sorts of problems and internal turmoil. And David West is my example. David West said after the championship. People have no idea how much beep was going on in this locker room and all the problems we had all year long. And then retired. Okay, I bet his body hurts, but they would have brought David West back. I'm certain of it. And why wouldn't you go on another run unless, like, the stuff in the locker room was really that much of a pain in the butt? I mean, seriously. Seriously. You got a chance to, like, earn a million bucks to hang out with the Rockstar Warriors and go watch them play and play a few minutes yourself and go win another title? Why wouldn't you do it? It's a a testament to how exhausting it must be, but I think there's also a testament to what a pain in the ass that locker room must have been last year. So... They got these three guys that add to 9.6 points gained, and now I want to go take Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Carl Anthony Towns, and LeBron to build my team to beat them. I then also have to make sure that none of the players on my team are negative points gained because none of them on the Warriors are. Omri, Ka- or excuse me, uh, Jordan Bell is .6. Quinn Cook is .6. That actually gets them, to want- gets them even better. David West was fine last year. Kevin Looney's .2. Nick Young's gone. Damon Jones is even. Andre Guidal's minus 0.2. Sean Livingston's minus 0.2. Patrick McCaw, who's holding out like an idiot, was their worst player. So they don't even have any negative players to pull you back. They're just ridiculous. And then, I mean, then you dig into all right, so three point shooting, they shot 40% last year. Klay Thompson's in the 96th percentile. Kevin Durant's in the 91st. Steph Curry's in the 90th. Quinton Cook is in the 92nd percentile. Really? And for all of our keep you out of the mid-range? Well, Steph Curry is probably the best mid-range shooter in the game. Long mid-range shots last year, Steph Curry hit 62%. He's like the one guy it's all right if he takes them. Durant's in the 90th percentile. Klay Thompson's in the 84th percentile. You're still a lot better off having them take these. But, right? And Sean Livingston's in the 93rd percentile. It's just incredible. They're just loaded. Perfectly built. Play perfectly. Killing people. It'll be fun to go up against them. Jazz got them three times last year. I wouldn't get too excited about that number, but let's go for it. Let's go see what we can do again. It'll be rocking. It'll be fun. Uh, Doris is in town to call the game for ESPN, um, but you could, no offense, Doris, you should still listen to us. Kevin, by the way, uh, catch-and-shoot-wise, fun one tonight. Uh, Just another news little note for you. So Buddy Heald, we played the other night, was the best catch-and-shoot guy in the NBA last year. Kevin Durant's number two. Joe Ingles is number three. And then Clay Thompson's number seven, of course. And then, like, Steph Curry's number nine. So, uh... Uh if you're interested just because I mentioned it you're off the bounce best 3 point shooters in the NBA which is a very different shot um and a more difficult shot in the NBA um last year are not nearly as high a percentage but the the best there are um actually I don't have that exactly right cuz I don't have the um uh but Steph Curry at 41% I believe uh, was the best other than, of all weird things, Marshawn Brooks, Kyrie, uh, and then Tyreek Evans actually last year was kind of off the charts as the only guys over 40% uh, off the bounce three. Gerald Green in Houston was awfully close also, just news note for you. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. um. Blake Murdoch is just a good dude. That's how about we just there's our slogan. We're gonna go with that as our slogan. Murdoch Hyundai. Because Blake Murdoch is just a good dude. Uh, we actually bought a car there just recently and had a fabulous buyer experience. My wife and I were talking about it the other day. And I'm not ignorant enough to say that I think that there's some things that maybe I got a different buyer experience than some other people, but I would tell you that there were two things where we circled back at where my wife was doing it, where we didn't get a different buyer experience. We got the exact same no regrets buying experience that Murdoch prides themselves on and makes sure you're going to get. Uh, That's who they are. That's why they've been in business for 92 years. When you own a car dealership, you can control certain things, and that's what they do. So they control the no regrets buying experience. They give you car washes for life. They give you safety inspection for life. They give you the price match guarantee. Uh, five-day return policy, and then they can impact your whole experience around the dealership. Uh, then there's the brand that they represent. So Hyundai with a hundred mile, thousand mile assurance. Both the Tucson and the Santa Fe have peaked out in the safety uh, elements right now. That's why we bought the Santa Fe for our son. Uh, 16-year-old driver, wanted to make sure that he was going to be as safe as he possibly could be. I thought he was getting him a jalopy, but then it, or whatever those are called, but then it became time to actually do it, and I choked and got him a nice new car with all the bells and whistles and beeps and safeties and airbags and this and that because, well, he's 16 and probably sucks at driving. So uh, we we did that with the Santa Fe. It's at 4646 South State Street in Murray. They're also in Logan and in Linden. Uh, if you're looking for the zippy little fun small SUVs, kind of the single-person car, the... Uh, Kona is fun. I saw a cool one coming up with a neat color, uh, neat blue color the other day on the freeway as I was driving up. Uh, so the Konas are available for you. If you're looking for the uh, hybrid, I drove the Ionic, thought it was just terrific. Uh, by the way, those Konas are, I think, under twenty-one, dollars under $22,000 right now. So some great prices on those. That's all at Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. Uh, last year, we did some features and things like that. We'll probably go back to it, Time Machine Tuesday. Uh, but I always, and we did NBA 5 on kind of news around the NBA. And then I don't remember what our other features um, were. But I, I early in the season, I think there's great value to kind of running through a few news and notes on the NBA games last night. Uh, Philadelphia was dominant. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are just incredible. Uh, Chicago's not good. That game played at a pace of 108. I, I, I'm... This pace thing that's going on in the league is a big deal, and i I'm not sure the impact it has on us. Um, I would think that still the majority of possessions are going to be in the half court. Rudy's still going to have an impact, but there's a little concern on my end right now that this pace is so outrageously fast that it somehow is going to negate uh, what makes us great defensively. Um, we'll see. Um, Levine had thirty. Bobby Portis looked really good. He had twenty and ten. Wendell Carter, the rookie, last night got to play twenty minutes. He did get kind of schooled at times, but I thought he looked okay. No surprise there. Miami wins on a Kelly Olynyk buzzer beater. Not really that important that Miami beats Washington. Though it wasn't Washington home openers should not be lost. Um, the unless you're playing the Warriors, then it's a possibility. Um, but and so they Dwayne Wade took a terrible shot. Kelly Olenek got the offensive rebound, put it up and in. This game was at 103 points per possession. Uh, The offenses are rolling right now. Usually defenses are ahead of offense in the NBA. That is not the case. That game had a 109 offensive rating on both sides and a 113-112 game. So, uh, I mean, it's just interesting to see what's taking place here across the league, uh, the way everyone's playing and how, um, how quickly they're playing. Uh... And we'll just try to, we'll try to keep an eye on it. Miami may have just found another one of these athletes, Derek Jones, out of UNLV two years ago, had started for them, scored 17 points. They just, Magruder and Richardson, and they just go find these guys. Uh, Wayne Ellington is out with a left ankle injury, so he's not playing. And then LeBron made his debut. It was certainly fun, but this was another crazy, I mean, crazy fast game. 112 possessions last night. The league average a year ago was 100 I mean this is and that game was crazy to watch the Lakers run up and down the floor. So I this is this is to me the kind of I think these I I I'm wavering, I'm scared from a Jazz standpoint. Um I think these teams are crazy. Um I just don't think it's a smart way to play. There's not a correlation between uh pace usually and offensive efficiency uh frankly the Lakers played at 115 possessions last night and their offensive rating was a 106. Um but the you know through the the median possession rate last year was the Blazers at 98 and then last night they played 112. I mean that's just that's like a 20% increase in pace which is somewhat hard to fathom. Uh minute distribution for the Lakers LeBron had 37 And then how much young kids, how much old kids? So Lonzo played 19, Jason Hart played 27, Kuzma played 29, Ingram played 28. So mostly young kids. Rondo played 32, was pretty good for a little stretch there. Um, But ended up taking 13 shots to get his 13 points. And Brandon Ingram was okay last night as well. Uh, Nick Stauskas was the story. But that's the story for the Blazers, is can they fill Shabazz Napier, Pat Connaughton, and Ed Davis with Zach Collins, Nick Stauskas, and Seth Curry? And the answer for one night was yes. Um, Mo Harkless trying to come back from his injury uh, as well. So that's a quick run through the NBA. That's our show for today. It is a Friday postcast after the show tonight with Ron Boone at LockedOnJazz.net. We'll have empty the noggin postcast, all those things for you. It might be a really I have my family in town, my parents and stuff, so I may drive them back home and then write at one o'clock. So you might want to just read it tomorrow morning. Have a great one. Talk to you soon. Thanks very much for tuning in to Locked On Jazz. Now you can go listen to Locked On NBA and enjoy what they have to say on the Locked On Podcast Network.